Thank you for tuning in to Emmanuel Faith Community Church. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. So today we're continuing our series in the book of 1 Corinthians. And remember, this is going to be almost a year-long series. And so we split it up into different seasons, sort of like a Netflix show or a podcast. And the first season, we talked all about the way that the gospel is foolishness. We called it fool's gold to those who don't believe. And this season we're calling failure to launch because in chapter 3, verse 1, Paul writes to the church at Corinth and he says to them, I wish you were further along by now. I wish you were more mature, but you've gotten stuck. Your growth has gotten stunted. You've had a, a failure to launch. In, in week one, we said that when God gets sidelined, growth, growth gets stunted. And then last week, we identified another way that we stop growing, and it's when we aren't honest with ourselves. And we said that the life we crave is on the other side of the honesty we fear. That when we're unwilling to name what we see in the mirror with accuracy and honesty, it actually causes us to stop growing. And we said that we often enter into self-deception because self-deception is self-protection. It's a way that we try to protect ourselves. But in so doing, we stop becoming the people that Jesus is inviting us to become. And today, we're going to identify one more way that we stop growing. And I think it could be best captured in a story that you could read about in 1 Kings chapter 12. See, in 1 Kings chapter 12, King Solomon has just died and his son Rehoboam is going to take the throne. Rehoboam is 41 years old, but he's obviously never been king before. And so he does something really, really wise. He goes to people who are a little bit older than him and he asks them for advice. Tell me what I should do in this new role as king. And these older sages in the Israelite community, they tell him what they think he should do. They say, if you be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them when you answer them, then they will be your servants forever. Subtext is, hey, um, Rehoboam, your dad Solomon was a little bit rough on the people. And if you can be generous to them, if you can be a servant to them, if you can come alongside of them, encourage them, and speak good over them, they will gladly follow you for life. And Rehoboam goes, hey guys, thanks for the advice. But I'm going to get a second opinion also. And he goes and he finds some of his buddies, some of the younger sort of up-and-coming leaders in the nation of Israel. And he asks them the same question. And you might guess that their response isn't the same. Their response is, hey, hey, Rehoboam, go say this to your people. Tell them, my little finger is thicker than my father's thighs. (laughs) I mean, how's that? Like, for all the single guys in the room, just file that away for a pickup line, right? Like, <laughs> my little finger's thicker than my father's thighs. And now, whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. Yeah, ooh is right, right? Like, game on. Their advice is, go beat your chest, go flex your muscles... Tell them you're more powerful than them and you're going to come down harsh on them if they disobey you. Okay, any guesses which people Rehoboam 
listened to. Um, if you think he listened to group one, the wise sages, just raise your hand. Okay, don't raise your hand, all right? <laughs> we, uh, group two, hey, flex your muscles, show your power, right? And it, it, you're exactly right. That is who he listened to. And do you know what kind of advice that was? Terrible advice, right? You can go and you can look at Rehoboam's reign, the way that he treated people underneath him, and it is under his reign that the nation of Israel split into two parts, northern kingdom and southern kingdom, and it was never the same again. Now, obviously, God was at work in the midst of all of that, but I just started to wonder, how would Israel's history have gone if they'd stayed united? What types of work would they have seen God do in their midst? Would they have been able to fend off their enemies? Would they have been able to flourish? And Rehoboam's story is a cautionary tale about the way that the advice we listen to eventually shapes the lives that we live. And I just want to say, it's a little bit easier when we're looking at somebody else's life than it is when we're looking at our own. Can I get an amen? It's easier to diagnose somebody else's life and go, yeah, that really wasn't a great call and you shouldn't have listened to those voices, but it's a little bit more challenging when it hits close to home. I was at um, a party a few months ago and was talking with a friend and they were just going on and on and on about this new cryptocurrency that they bought. It was called Shibu Inu. And he's like, it's early, you gotta get in early. Shibu Inu is going to take off. It's going to go crazy. And I'm like Googling Shibu Inu, not the dog, right? Like, like what in the world is this? And so I got home and I put a little money towards Shibu Inu. And um, over the last few months, I have lost 61% to be exact of what I put into Shibu Inu. Now, good advice or bad advice? Bad advice, bad advice, but my guess is you've been in a, a similar position. Maybe it was financial advice that you took from somebody, and it led you down the wrong path. Maybe it was spiritual advice that you took from somebody, and it led you to this place of desperation and despair. Maybe it was parenting advice that you implemented, and it didn't turn out well. Or maybe it was in a relationship, where somebody spoke a word to you, and you acted on it, and it wounded you and other people in the process. See, the truth is, and we all know this, that the voices that we receive eventually shape the lives that we live, which is why Jesus was so strong with his disciples. In John chapter 10, listen to what he said. He said, the sheep, speaking about his disciples, they hear his voice, and he calls them his own sheep by name, and he leads them out when he's brought out all of his own. He goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his what? His voice. Yet Jesus is saying, the voices that you listen to will determine the roads that you walk. And that is so important because he goes on to say, those roads will eventually determine the kind of life you live. He says in, later on in the same chapter, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. 
So Jesus' invitation is make sure that you pay really close attention to which voices you listen to because those voices that you listen to will either lead you in the way of Jesus or away from Jesus and they will either cause you to have life stolen, killed, and destroyed or they will lead you to life abundant. But it's only one or the other. And so the question I think we should all ask ourselves today is what voices are we giving weight to? What, what voices are we acting out on? Which voices are we listening to? Because the voices that we listen to are either a source of life or they are a pathway to pain. They're either a source of life or they're a pathway to pain. And just like I've gotten really bad advice from some people, I've also gotten really, really good advice from some people. Raise your hand if you have too. Yeah, yeah. My very first mentor in the faith, his name was Greg Fuchs. And he was absolutely convinced that what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10 was true. That Jesus came to give life and the enemy wants to steal life from us. And I saw the way that he lived that out. And I saw his life. And his words became like seeds that just got planted in my soul. And eventually, over the course of the next years and decades, they gave life to kingdom fruit. Because the words that you receive eventually have power in your life. Which is why the Apostle Paul would write to the church at Corinth and he would tell them, take every thought, what? captive. It's like have a filter with the thoughts that go into your head, the voices that you hear, the words people speak to you. Have a filter. Take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. What a good word for us, isn't it? And we live in a a day and time where, I don't know if you've sensed this, but I have, it seems like everybody became an expert in everything overnight. Have you sensed this? Like everybody's an an expert on viruses. Everybody's an expert on like global politics. Everybody's an expert on economics and what we should do about inflation. And there are so many voices floating around, aren't there? And we're living in a time where the decisions we make and the information we take in and give weight to in our heads and our hearts and our souls is really important. I mean, we have questions about vaccines and what to do about vaccines. We have questions about inflation and what's going on with inflation. We have questions about the conflict in Ukraine and how we should respond to that and what we should do. There are some really big issues, aren't there? And it can be hard to know which voices to listen to. I mean, I saw this week that there are 600 million blogs on the internet. I would suggest to you that not all of them are right. Just going to throw that out there. Just because you read it on the internet doesn't make it true, right? There are over 20 million podcasts right now. That is a ton of voices that are just coming at you. And I started to think, wouldn't it be nice if we had some sort of lens, some some sort of filter to run these voices through to see whether or not we should give them weight in our life. Because if the words that we receive eventually shape the lives that we live and those words are either a, a source of life and good or they're a pathway to pain, then filtering out those voices is so important. And it's exactly what the Apostle Paul does 
when he writes to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. If you have your Bible, will you open there with me? Or maybe you have one of those scripture journals that we um, gave out at the beginning of this series. You can open there as well. A little bit of context as you're turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Remember, this is a church that the Apostle Paul planted. He pastored it for a year and a half. You can read about that in Acts chapter 18. And then after he left, some other pastors and leaders came in after him and, and started to teach some things that were a little bit different than what the Apostle Paul had been teaching. In addition to that, there were a number of other teachers in the culture at large who started to have influence over the church. And so Paul wants to write to this church in Corinth and give them a lens through which to weigh the different voices that they are hearing. Because he knows if you listen to the wrong voices, your growth is going to get stunted and you're going to have a failure to launch. So he has four things that he wants to point out to this church in Corinth. And I think they apply to us as well. Starting in verse 14 of chapter 4. Are you there? Wonderful. Here's what he wrote. He said this. I do not write these things to make you, what? Ashamed. Now, a quick time out. If you were here with us last week, you know that the Apostle Paul was writing with a, a little bit of a sense of sarcasm and even bite to the church in Corinth. He says to them, so glad you're kings. So glad you're well fed. You've got everything you want. Wonderful. And he makes this contrast between how they're living and how he as an apostle is living. Getting beat up and homeless and he doesn't have much of anything. And so in response to that, he says, I don't write these things to make you ashamed, but to, what, say it with me, admonish you as my beloved children. That word admonish means to warn, to come alongside of and to counsel somebody. But there's a uniqueness to this word admonish. Literally, it's not to be taken with a sense of bitterness, but with a sense of care. Coming alongside somebody because you want something better for them. Yet admonishment is a form of warning that's often given by somebody who's a little bit further down the road than the people in back of them. But the challenge with admonishment is that it often falls on deaf ears. Can I get an amen from all the parents in the house, right? It often falls on deaf ears. When my wife Kelly and I first got married, we moved up to Portland where I started my seminary journey. And on a clear day in Portland, there were like three of them while we were there. On a clear day in Portland, you could see all the way to Mount St. Helens. And it was just breathtaking, gorgeous. And you always knew that it was Mount St. Helens because Mount St. Helens is unique. Because on May 18th, 1980, Mount St. Helens is a volcano that erupted. And on that day, 57 people lost their life. Which is really sad because it didn't need to happen. There were warnings that had been given. It's going to blow. It's going to happen. We don't know exactly what day it's going to happen. But you are in the danger zone. Not talking about Top Gun. And you need to get out. If you want your life to be preserved. And they ignored the warnings. They ignored the admonishment. And in so doing, they lost their lives. See, the reality that you and I both know is that we often don't want to hear admonishment. We often don't want to hear that kind of a warning. 
But Paul comes to them and says, let me speak these sort of hard, heavy words into your life. I'm not doing it to shame you. I'm doing it to admonish you. And I think he would say the same thing to us. Give weight to the words of those who are willing to speak hard truths with loving motives. Hard truths with loving motives. See, if you've been with us over the last few weeks, you know that Paul is in no way, shape, or form being soft. He's not trying to coddle to the opinions of the Corinthian church. He's not telling them what they want to hear, but he's telling them what they need to hear. He's practicing what he wrote in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, where he said, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to what? Grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Because speaking the truth in love is one of the ways we grow up. It's one of the ways we mature. And so as a, as a parent, as a grandparent, as a, as a friend, telling, some, telling someone a lie they want to hear is not loving. And my guess is that you have people in your life who are telling you lies because they think that that's what you want to hear. But what would it look like for us to be the kind of people who give more weight to those who are willing to speak hard truth, but who do so with a loving motive? What would that look like? And how might we find those voices in the myriad of voices all around us? Well, I think Paul gave us a few hints as he wrote. Here's one. Um, listen to those. Give weight to those voices. People are, are giving hard truth with loving motives when they seek to bring change, not shame. Because there are some people who are going to confront you and they're going to try to shame you and they're going to make you try to feel guilty out of a sense of condemnation rather than conviction that would lead you to Jesus. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. Guilt and shame are a really powerful motivator. They're just not a kingdom motivator. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And so Paul says, find those voices that seek to bring change, that really want the best for you, not just to heap condemnation on you. And then second, what would that look like? I think it would look like choosing those who love you more than they love what you think about them. And as parents, don't we sometimes slip into this trap of, gosh, we, we love what our kids think about us more than we love our kids. So we tell them what they want to hear, we give them what they want, even if deep down we go, I'm not sure that's what's best for them. And we have people in our lives who probably love what we think about them more than they love us. And those voices don't deserve weightiness in your life because they are unwilling to speak truth. So what would it look like for us to pursue those voices who speak hard truth with loving motives? That's the first thing Paul says. But second, listen to the way he continued. He said, for though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And Paul is just simply referencing the way that the church began. Paul walked into the city of Corinth started to preach the scriptures, started to preach Christ crucified and resurrected from the dead. Those people came to faith. And Paul says, it's because I showed up that you came to faith. You can read about his powerful preaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. And he says, because of that, I became a father to you. 
In a spiritual sense, I, I helped give birth to you and bring you about. And Paul's saying, because of that, give my words a sense of, of weightiness in contrast to maybe some of the other voices of the guides. Now, let's just hit pause and acknowledge that viewing either Paul or, or, or even God as father has a little bit of baggage for us, doesn't it? For some of us, we had really great fathers who modeled this really well, what that should look like. And we read that and go, thank you, Lord, for the fathers in our life. But then there are some. Your father was abusive. Your father abandoned you. Your father took advantage of you. And so reading about somebody, even as a spiritual father, you go, I'm not so sure. I don't know if I want to go there. And I just want you to know that we see you that you are welcome here, and our desire as a church is to help you heal and become the person that Jesus designed you to be. So when Paul says fathers, what does he mean? What, what does he mean when he calls himself their father? Not just, not just that he was part of their birth, but also it means that he has proven his care through investment and commitment. And his challenge to us is give way to the words who, of those who have done the same thing. In contrast to that, he says, don't pay attention to the, the guides. The, the, um, in his culture, it was the sophists who were traveling around, the pastors maybe who came in after him. But the picture is they were there for a season, but they're going to be gone. I was a backpacking guide with Young Life for four years in college. And... Um, absolutely loved that season of my life. But on day one of the trip, we would meet 10 to 15 high school students. And over that week, we would grow to know them and love them and care about them. And then do you know what we would do after the week was over? Say goodbye. We were, we were gone. We were out of their life. We were, we were guides. We weren't making a permanent commitment. We were just making a little tiny deposit into their life over the course of one week. And Paul says, no, 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 fathers are different. They make a caring investment. Over time, over time, they make sacrificial deposits into the life of their spiritual and biological children. But the second thing they do is they make a commitment. And here's what spiritual fathers do. They say, regardless of how dark it gets, regardless of how much you fail and how much you come up short, I am not going anywhere. I'm with you, I love you, and I will walk this path alongside of you. And I think we're all looking for people who are willing to walk with us even when we don't take their advice. They're willing to say, I'm with you, for the long haul. Yeah, people who stand with you deserve to be listened to. And maybe, just maybe, their words deserve a little bit more weightiness in your life. I think if the Apostle Paul were writing today, he might say something like, don't give so much weight to the celebrity pastor and the podcast and social media. Like, give more weight to the words of those who know you, who love you, who are walking with you. 
Give way to the words of, of, of family and friends. Give way to the words of, of your life group. Give way to the words of, of your church. Like, allow, let those sink into your heart and soul because they're people that are going to be committed to you for the long haul. They have invested. And that's part of the lens Paul lays out for how to weigh the words that people speak into our life. But listen to the third thing he says. Verse 16. I urge you then, be, oh, will you just say this with me, Emmanuel Faith? Be imitators of me. Like, do what I do. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. So, if Paul was going to give us a summary of what he taught everywhere, And in every church, what would it be? It would be the ways of Christ. This is what I want you to do. This is what Jesus would do. This is how Jesus would have us live. It's it's what it means to become a disciple. It's our mission here at Emmanuel Faith. Living in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus. It's exactly what the the Apostle Paul was saying. His goal was in every church that he went to. And he said, if you want a picture of what that looks like, Because we learn best with pictures, right? We learn best through examples. We all know that more is caught than... Three of you know that? (laughs) We all know that more is caught than taught, right? And so the Apostle Paul says, give weight. Give weight to the words of those who are living the kind of life you want to live. It's just another filter for the way that we weigh out people's words. If their marriage doesn't look like the way you want your marriage to look, weigh those words a little bit differently. If their financial portfolio doesn't look the exact way that you want yours to look, weigh their words about financial advice a little bit differently. If their parenting doesn't look the way that you want yours to look, weigh their advice a little bit differently. If I give you advice about weightlifting, don't take it, right? Because we want to take advice from people who are actually living it out on the ground and it's working for them. In fact, this was, um, this was Jesus' indictment against the Pharisees. He said to them, the scribes and the Pharisees, they sit on Moses' feet. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. Oh, for they preach, but do not practice. They tie heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with their fingers. They just heap rules and laws. They don't live it out themselves, and they're unwilling to help you live it out. And Paul goes, you don't need to give weight to those kind of people. Jesus said the exact same thing. My guess is, That somewhere in your spiritual journey, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, somewhere along the way, you've put somebody on a pedestal and they let you down. I can remember as a sophomore in high school, I was part of an organization, Christian organization through my school. One of my coaches was my small group leader there and he was also my small group leader at church and I looked up to him immensely. And about halfway through the year, he disappeared. Never showed back up. 
And it was over the course of time that I eventually heard that he'd had an inappropriate relationship with one of the females in the group. And my goodness, you guys, my sophomore heart was shattered. I, I started to ask the question, God, how could this happen? I had a hard time going to church just trying to figure out where do I put all this and how do I make sense of all this? He taught me the way of Jesus and now I find out this about him. And I think that's the weightiness of being an example. That's the weightiness that we feel as parents, as grandparents, as friends, as mentors. We know that people are watching our lives. How many of you know that your kids are watching your life? They are taking it in. They may not be listening to your words the way that you want them to, but they are watching your lives. And so the way that we live really, really matters. And so Paul says, it's really simple, but it's hard to live out. Live the kind of life that you'd be comfortable with others imitating. I love the way that commentator Gordon Fee put it. He said, when the basic way of learning ethical instruction is by example, the obedience factor on the part of the quote-unquote instructor is bound to increase. <laughs> May God give his people grace and courage to do so. Now let's just get out in the open. We're never going to be perfect. Don't elbow anybody. It's not nice. But we're never going to be perfect. We're never going to fully arrive. But what if, Emmanuel Faith, what if we made it our goal to say, I'm living the kind of life on the ground in real life that I would be okay with saying, imitate me, follow me as I follow. We may not be there yet, but what if we made it our goal? And what if we said to Jesus, would you grow me by the power of your spirit in me? Would you grow me to the place where I could say that with some sense of humble confidence? It's a good prayer, isn't it? It's one that I want to pray. I'd invite you to as well. Here's what Paul said next, verse 18. Some are arrogant, as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you, if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. This is like ancient trash talk. Not sure if I'm going to come, but I'm praying that I come, and when I do, we're going to see who's got the power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in what? In power. In power. And I love the way that Paul makes this really interesting point. Note, notice that he ties together arrogant people with being people who are all talk. It's just words. And you can be arrogant when it's just words. Because when you sense God's power, you know it's not from you. You know it's purely by grace and mercy and because he showed up. And so Paul says, give way to those kind of people in your life. Give way to people who live with humble power, not with arrogant talk. And he says, don't give too much weight to people who simply are humble but powerless. And don't give too much weight to people who are powerful but prideful. Look for that combination of people who the power of God flows through. And they are humble and grateful for the way that God is at work in their life. When you look for somebody like that, here's what you're looking for. Somebody who does great things but isn't always talking about themselves. 
Someone who has influence but knows that it's purely a gift of God. Someone who accomplishes a lot but gives credit to others. That's what it looks like to walk in humble confidence, the power of God flowing through you. My guess is that you have people like that in your life. And Paul says, listen to them. Listen to them. He concludes the section by saying, what do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love in a spirit of gentleness? Now, now just wait till next week. Um, He's going to have to come with a little bit of a rod, okay? Spoiler alert, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 is a bit heavy, okay? But he says, my desire is that I can be gentle. We're going to have this conversation either way, Paul says. I love you enough to tell you the truth, but my hope is that you respond in a way that will allow me to be gentle in the way that I come to you. He longs to live out the way in the heart of Jesus. It's Jesus who said, I am gentle and lowly or humble in heart. And Paul says, I long to come to you in the same way. But the way that you respond to my words, he says, will shape the way that I have to approach the conversation. Now, uh, we live in a little bit of a different place and time than the Corinthian church. A lot of our issues are surprisingly similar, but we have some different resources that are disposable at our command. Not at our command, at at our um, disposal. We we have different resources available to us, not the least of which is the completed canon of Holy Scripture, right? The Corinthian church didn't have a Bible like the one that you hold in your lap right now, or maybe you have it open on your phone or your iPad. They didn't have a completed Old Testament and New Testament. You understand that, right? And so we have some different tools and resources available to us that I would say are worth listening to. And so what if, what if we gave our full trust to God as our Father? and to scripture as our guide. With all the volume of voices in our world right now, what if we said back to God, we long to value your word, your opinion, your God-breathed, inspired word above all of the other voices. In fact, we want this to be a filter through which everything else runs through. We want that to be our guide and God We long to view you, receive you, and walk with you as our Father. What if that became our lens? See, my guess is that as we have been talking this morning, that there are some things that Jesus is bringing to your mind by the power of his Spirit that you need to turn up, some voices you need to turn up. And then my guess is there's also some voices in your life that you need to turn down. So what would it look like for you this week? What would it look like for you this week to turn up, fill in the blank? Maybe it's somebody who's, man, they've they've been in your circle a long time. They've been saying some things that are challenging and hard and you have resisted them. Maybe this week you go, I think I need to turn that voice up. Uh, Maybe, just maybe, there's somebody in your life who's been giving you advice and you long for your life to look the same way and you've been rejecting them. Maybe, just maybe, this week you go, God, what would it look like for me 
to be more open-handed with that. And then maybe there's somebody that's really humble and powerful, and they've been trying to speak into your life, and you've been too prideful to hear. What would it look like to turn it up? Or maybe even to do what uh, my in-laws do when they come to visit us. Because when my in-laws come, my mother-in-law and my wife, they love to watch shows that um, are British shows. And um, we can't understand like 80% of what they say. (laughs) So turn on the subtitles, right? And like, let's read along while we watch. I think there's some voices in your life, you need to turn the subtitles on. So that you can dial in and go, God, I don't want to miss that. And then there's some other voices that my guess is you need to mute. For some of you, it may be the 24-hour news cycle that you have just downloaded and you are going with. Others, maybe it's a podcast or social media that's just flooding your heart and mind with words that aren't leading you towards the abundant life that Jesus has for you. But what would it look like? For you to say back to God, God, I believe that the words I receive will shape the life that I live. And I want to give weight to the right words in my life. Let's pray that we would have the ability to do that by his spirit. Let's pray. So Lord, for all of the people in this room, you know their situation exactly. Lord, you know those that are on the verge of making a really, really bad decision that they're going to regret for the rest of their life because of the advice that they've taken. And Spirit of God, I would pray right now for those people in here who are in that position, would you make it so clear that you're leading them to walk in a different way? Lord, our desire would be that we would give weight to the right words and that those words would lead us towards lives that would experience and live in the abundant life that you designed us for. But we need your spirit to guide us and to lead us and to speak to us. So as your kids, we would humbly come before you and ask, would you do that as our good father, we pray. In Jesus' name, and together we say, amen. Thank you for listening to our service. We'd love to have you join us in person. For more information about our church and service times, please visit efcc.org. If you would like to support the ministries of Emmanuel Faith, you can do so at efcc.org slash give.